You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I never knew I was created in the image of God. I never knew he had a redemption story for my life. My name is Donald Dunlap, and this is my story. I never had a healthy family growing up. My mom and dad's relationship was abusive and unhealthy. They divorced when I was an infant. A few years later, my mom married my stepdad, Jeff. This relationship was also volatile, marked by abuse and drug use. They married and divorced three different times. During that time together, my sister Cassie was born. Jeff spent some time in prison for selling drugs. My parents' life together was marked by constant drug use. Their final divorce happened when I was 16, in most need of a strong father figure. I was trying to figure out life on my own and what it meant to be a man. I found friends and companionship in the party scene, started experimenting with drugs, and dropped out of high school. My mom also continued to sell drugs after her divorce. She even sold to some of my friends, which was really upsetting. Because of my bad choices at home and constant fighting with my mom, she eventually sent me to go live with my dad in Oregon, who I barely knew. My stepmom, Rhonda, was the only person who brought any kind of stability to my life. Rhonda made me get a job, get my GED, and help me save up to get a car. I finally felt like I had accomplished something in my life. <clears throat> my relationship with my dad, however, was not good. His version of spending time with me was driving the back roads and drinking beer, and this always seemed in us having a fight. <clears throat> When I turned 18, I left Oregon because of our friction. I moved back to Moscow and got my own apartment. I was still all about the party scene, drinking, drugs, and girls. I started selling weed, and someone I sold to started trading me for Oxycontin. I started using Oxycontin, smoking, snorting, and eating them. Eventually, I made a life-changing choice to use a needle. I was addicted to opiates and that way of using them. You don't really have friends when you're living that way. We'd all say that we were friends, but really, we were just using each other to get high. I was selfish, lying, using people, and leveraging my relationships to fuel my addiction. I spent seven-plus years as a full-blown junkie. It was during that time that I met my now wife, Katie. During those years, my, my addiction continued to grow. In a span of less than six months, I almost died three different times of overdose. And not one of those times did I say to myself, I should stop or get help. Somewhere in between those near-death experiences, I was reintroduced to Matt Becker. He had since become a Christian. I needed work so I could get high, so I started working for Matt. He told me that if I wanted to work for him, I had to come to the Bible study in the morning. So I did. As I look back, I feel God was preparing and softening my heart with his word. While working for Matt, I got reacquainted with Jason Dines, someone I had sold and used drugs with in the past. Jason and John Padula, a mentor for the Good Samaritan program, knocked on my door and asked me, Donald, are you tired of this life? I broke down crying right there. Of course I was. I just didn't know how or what it even looked like to come out of that lifestyle. 
Jason went on to tell me about his experience at the Good Samaritan Recovery Program in Coeur d'Alene and encouraged me to go up there and get clean. In November of 2013, I left for the program, not knowing what to expect or what I was even getting myself into. I spent the worst week of my life lying on John Padula's couch going through withdrawals. Eventually, I felt well enough to start going to church. The pastor was preaching through Romans, and I heard the gospel clearly for the first time. I recognized my need for grace and asked Jesus for forgiveness for the way I had been living and the people who I had hurt. I started missing home and Katie, so I made a decision to leave the program early, thinking I was capable of leaving my old life behind. But during my very first week back home, I used morphine again and slept with Katie, even though I had resolved not to do so because I wanted to go about our relationship the right way. I immediately felt convicted and went back to the Good Samaritan to start the program over from the beginning. During my second trip to the program, I began to pray for Katie. I was able to get her a letter of encouragement and have her start listening to some Christian music I was enjoying. As it turns out, while I was gone, Matt's then-fiancé, Becca, began meeting with Katie on a regular basis and reading the Bible with her, and eventually led her to Christ before my return in April of 2014. Katie was eventually a bridesmaid at their wedding. When I returned to Moscow the second time, I started working in construction for Matt again, and God brought many Christian men into my life to walk alongside me. Katie and I got engaged and were married, were married in the fall of 2014. The following year, we were blessed with our son, Javen, who is four years old now. Through working for Matt and my current employer, Tim Mortimer, I've had the opportunity to work alongside many men with stories much like my own. God has given me the opportunity to share my story with men who can identify with my story. I've seen several of them go to the same treatment program themselves, and some of them are now my best friends. As I look back, I am amazed at how God put people in my life at just the right time, intersecting their stories with my own. The vision of my family's life and my friends' lives have been forever changed through the work of his people. My story is complicated and difficult, full of selfishness and darkness, but the light has shined through as I've been able to share it with others. I've seen my story point to the hope and healing found in the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Good morning, Real Life. How are you guys doing? Thank you, Donald, for being bold to share your story. Yeah, for sure. Um, my name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant here at this church, and so uh, honored you guys would join us today. Today's a really important day, I think, for, for our church. I think uh, God's hand is, is upon this because it's been heavy on my heart this week about what we would talk about. And so I went back and we're, we're in the one person at a time series. It's a four part series. If you walk out here on the right side, you'll see share, connect, minister, and disciple on our wall. And there's verse, verses underneath there. And it's really part of how we feel God is calling us to walk out what it looks like to be Christians, to share our life with the dying world around us of people that don't know him. And so as I was reviewing our sermon series we've done in the past on Share, Connect, Minister, and Disciple, I was like, God, what do you want 
for your people at this time for right now? What is going to help us accomplish our vision and our mission that we have at this church? And our vision is to reach the world for Jesus Christ one person at a time. And we want to make biblical disciples in relational environments. And so as we started to think about this series and what it would look like, I want you to, to know that like, when we exist, when it says we exist to share Christ with those who are far from him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't won over by some amazing theological argument. I wasn't won over by somebody who had all the answers and, and different folks in different places, but I was won over by a story about somebody's life that was changed. When they were looking into my eyes and were telling me about how God had changed their life and what they could do because they have this newfound hope, I was like, oh, I don't know about the theology stuff, but like this, that story, I can't argue with that story. That person has changed. And so as I started thinking about this and where we would go and what God would, would call us to do, we wanted to be very intentional with making sure that our body is equipped to share your story. And this happened at our staff retreat uh, in July. Uh, we had all of our staff share their stories. And I had worked with people for seven years and didn't know their stories. And so we said, hey, between 15 and 30 minutes, share your story. And, and all of us around the staff retreat, we shared our stories. And it was like, what? Oh, my gosh. Look how God is working within people's lives. And so this is grounded in the text. This is not optional as a Christian, this is not optional, like this is not a good idea that Josh had or that real life had or anything else. Uh, we are called to be able to give an answer. And so it says it here in 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And I've been convicted on that, that this is more than just your savior, and it's awesome that we have a savior and that you've accepted Jesus Christ, hopefully, into your life and you have a savior and, and, and you're not going to hell. But having a savior and having a Lord is different. Having a Lord that's over your life, that directs your paths, that allows you to, to, to be moved when he wants to move you because you're hearing his, his commands. You understand what he wants for your life. The best, at least you're trying to. And so when it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, that's the beginning. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So that answer isn't always a theological answer and you've got everything memorized and perfect. There happens to be a story about this crazed demoniac and they cross the sea, Jesus crossed the sea and he gets out and these evil spirits are within this man and he's, he's dragging on the ground and drooling and has chains and he breaks chains and he's, he's this crazy guy, right? And, and he, Jesus comes over there and he commands the spirits out of this crazy guy into these pigs and these pigs run off a cliff and drown, which is my favorite part. Um, and, and, and then he says, so this guy is healed, right? He's like, he's, he's different. He got this horrible thing out of him. And some of us have horrible things in us that we want out, right? And he got this thing out of him. And he's like, I want to go with you guys. Like, I want to go with you guys back on the boat. I don't want to be here. Which makes sense. Like, this person just changed your life. And what does Jesus tell him? He says, no, nope, you don't get to go with me. You go back and you tell your story. You go tell your story. 
Yeah, but he didn't have the Torah memorized and he didn't have all the Jewish learnings and all of those things. Nope, all he had was a story of what Jesus Christ had did in his life. And guess what? That was good enough. Because people would go back there and there was thousands and thousands of people who had heard of this Jesus and saw this change and this transformation in their life because of a story. And you know, your story doesn't have to be this dramatic one. As a matter of fact, you know, Donald and I, as we were talking, we are like, we hope our kids don't have stories like ours. Do you know that there's some awesome, great, amazing people who haven't had drug problems, who haven't done all these things, and they still don't know Jesus? Right? And so you don't have to dramatic, have a dramatic story, but you got to have, at least be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have to point to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we want to equip you for that today. But do this, Peter says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you and against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We are commanded to be able to have an answer for the hope that you would have. Right? And you don't have to have it all perfect. You don't have to have Romans Road memorized. Like you should be growing in your, in your, in your biblical knowledge, but you don't, you don't have to have it all perfect. You just have to be fat, faithful, available, teachable. Right? You got you to want to be available to, to have your story be, be told. I kind of was reflecting a little bit on this in my own life. And there's times in my walk where I didn't want to rock the boat with my story. So I, I, there's times where I've been very bold and, and out there with it, and there's times where I'm just like, my secret Christianity. Like, I'm, I'm a Christian. And if you, like, forced it out of me and pried it out of me, I would tell you how Jesus changed my life. I was prepared for an answer if I had to, not because I wanted to. So I think about being a secret Christian and not rocking the boat. The next phase that happened to me in my story is I became a chameleon with my story. Certain environments where it could hide in there and not hide in there. And, and maybe I messed up again. You know, I, I accepted the Lord and I was baptized. And then I had a horrible gambling addiction and lied to my wife and did all those things. And so my story was, wasn't as good anymore. Like, maybe I shouldn't share it. Like, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm not so being made or like I'm still being worked on. And so then I kind of hide my story and kind of camouflage it and not be... Not be, not be bold to tell it. And then, sometimes I am bold to tell it, but I'm only bold in a safe group. I'm bold right here. Let me tell you guys my story because we're in church and it's safe here and you're expecting something. Let me just tell this to you. And I'm in my home group and yes, around every comfortable Christian possibly that would accept it and might possibly not reject me. You see, my story my story is God's story, right? And Donald's story, he wouldn't come up here to just tell his story. We talked about this. I kind of convinced him. He would come up here to tell his story because he knew it was God's story of redemption. He and I don't want our kids to have the same story. It's not cool to have a crazy story. It's okay. Yeah, amen, right? So, so it's okay that we're doing that. But, but what are you doing with your story? Are you trying not to rock the boat? Uh, well, you know, work. I mean, I could get fired if I told somebody that, that I was a Christian. Oh, well, better not then, right? 
Or has your story been changed and you're changing your, your chameleon with it now? You're like, oh, well, around my Christian friends, I'm just happy Jesus guy, but over here, I'm this guy. Right? Or are you just bold when it's safe? Because we're not called to be bold when it's safe. We're called to give an answer for the hope we have to everyone when they would ask. And so I guess I just say from my heart as my hope is, you'll notice that your notes, you have your regular notes and then most of you got this handout and it's like, man, that's thicker paper. This is like, it could get wet and you could probably do that or something. Like this is like study material, right? Like it doesn't fold up easy enough to throw away as much. Like we wanted this to be something where you were equipped. Everyone has a story to tell and we want to equip you to tell your story because our vision is to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And I think it's pretty clear that it starts with you and me knowing our story. Well, I know my story. It's my story. Great. How do, can you tell it well? Or knowing your story and practicing it. Like, how did that come off to you? Did I, did I highlight all the bad stuff too much? Is it pointing to God? And like being prepared to give an answer and then sharing your story when called upon. What would happen if we had six, seven, eight, nine hundred, a thousand people at real life that were really good at sharing their story of pointing to Jesus Christ and how he's changed your life and not only did he become your savior but he became your Lord? What would happen in Moscow? I don't know. We should try it. But does you see how it fits in to where we're going, where you have to go? You're, this is an action call to you. This should be like, a, eh, I don't know. I'm kind of squirmy. Yeah, know your story. If you're in a home group, you're going to get the chance to share your story. You're like, oh, I'm not going this week. No, uh, you're, you're going to get a chance to, to be involved, right? And to share your story, what God's doing in your life. I want to bring uh, Donald back up here. I have some questions for Donald, and, uh, and then, then we'll close out here. But I want to bring Donald back up here. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, Donald. Tell me how your decision to follow God, how has it impacted you today? Um, Countless different ways from the fellowship that I have, the community that I have, and the fact that, honestly, I'd probably probably be dead if I, at that point in my life, if God hadn't put the people in my life and given me the opportunity to go get treatment, I was definitely not, I was, yeah, all I did was live for is to get high, so, yeah. So you'd be, you'd be, you'd be dead and gone. You had shared with me that one time Katie had called and you were non-responsive, you were non-responsive from yeah. paramedics. I was non-responsive and Katie called the paramedics and they had to come and um, revive me, yeah. Wow. And so when you think about this legacy that started now because you're choosing to accept God's plan for your life and share, you know, have a story to tell. Um, Katie, come on up here. Katie, I'm going to surround Donald with people. If you're, here and you, if you're here and you get asked to come up here, just stand right here. Stand behind Katie and Donald when, when we get going on this one. So besides the bad organ duck gear. Um, Winning. I mean, would you guys lose a bet? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Tell me, when you think about your family being impacted, tell me. What does that look like here? Maybe the only good thing I took from my dad is the go-ducks, that part. <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't have a family. I, like I said, I'd, I'd be dead. And 
um, as far as what it's impacting is me given the opportunity to change my family's genealogy. It's biblical to do that. Um, like you said, to have Javen not have a story like mine, to have a more stable home, um, and just having a different outlook on life and a, and a start. He, he'll know that he's created the image of God, and he'll, he'll know who Jesus is, and he'll learn it from us. So Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Clap. Yeah. So let's talk about some, uh, some other family members. I'll walk through some, some pictures you gave us here. Uh, who is this? That is my sister Cassie, my brother-in-law Nick, and the, my nephew Aiden. And tell me, tell me what's, what's the story there? So when I came out of treatment in the first couple months, um, obviously I'm talking on the phone with my sister and she knows, a, sees a, senses a difference in me and she's hearing from my mom, yeah, he's not using drugs, he's still not, still not. And so she's asking me questions and hard questions. She's asking me, oh, I'm on Facebook and why do Christians hate gay people and all these other questions. I'm like, well, Christians don't hate people for one. I don't know the answer to all these questions, so I encouraged her to go talk to a pastor, and she started meeting with him weekly, and he eventually um, led her to Christ, so. Oh, cool. Yeah, praise God. So she notices a change in you, makes her curious. You can't answer all the questions, but you're referring her to... to Someone who can, hopefully. Someone who can, and her her husband is following the Lord, their whole family is following the Lord? They're both. We went down there uh, for their baptism down at K2 Church. That's where uh, Derek Murphy's actually at now, so it's pretty cool. Awesome. How about this next, who are these next folks here? That's my sister, my sister-in-law, Catherine, and I was happy to, I mean, she asked me if I would baptize her, which was an honor for me to do. And so I was there with her as she took that step of obedience. As yep. she's observing you guys, observing the change in your life and decides to follow Jesus? Yes. Yep. Praise God. Uh, who's this? That is my cousin, Athena. And so we never really knew each other growing up that much, but she was struggling with meth and all sorts of different things. And she heard that I had gone to treatment and that I had been clean for a couple of years. So... Uh, she reached out, and we, Katie and I went and picked her up in Lewiston, and she's been up there ever since. She graduated, and she's actually a mentor there now. So at the same house she went through, she helps the girls go through. So she's doing great. So a program, a participant, and now a leader in helping people doing that. Like yeah. When I look at that picture and I look into her eyes, I see hope. I see, I see a reason for the hope that she has, that she's, she's moving forward and she's, she's investing in other people. Yep. That's super cool. Uh, I think this one here is uh, a video of you, right? This is, yep. Okay. And you're talking to some lady in a hot tub right here. You grab her by her head. <laughs> down throw she her goes. underneath there. Keep her down a little longer. That's, that. I, see, I see the extra hold down there. Yeah. <laughs> people are cheering. She raised her hand. She's excited. So who, who is that? That is my mom. That's my mom. And uh, tell us about that. Tell us about your mom. Well, she, when I came out of treatment, she started coming to church just for whatever reason. I was grateful that she was coming, but she was still selling drugs. And I was having those conversations with her. Hey, mom, you know, that's the darkness that they're talking about. That's destroying lives. She's just been in that lifestyle for so long. It's hard to just drop. God's got to step in, you know. And so he did. 
in the form of her house getting raided and her, uh, it was a pretty big deal. Um, she's currently serving five years in federal prison for her choices, but um, she was able to meet with Charlie before she went and um, hear the gospel from him and then I was um, able to baptize her and be a part of that. And Yeah. And how's she, how is she doing in prison now? Um, all things considered, awesome. She's uh, always telling me how she's uh, reading the Bible in a year. So she's getting into the Word, going to church, doing some Bible studies with other women. So, I mean, it's hard, but she's got more peace than I thought she was going to have for sure. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. So this is your immediate family. And like we've been talking about that you will be like the people that you associate with and the books you read or the things that you let into your life. And so let's talk about some other pictures here of some people that you are associating with and, and what's happened in their life uh, because of that. So who's this? That's my buddy Ty Isinger and his family. Um, Ty and I, went, went in that seven years that I was talking about of needle use and just straight junkiness, um, so all I thought about was drugs and he was right, right there with me. So um, when I came out of treatment, he was in jail. I visited him. I told him about the program. He went up. He was the first person we helped get up there. And uh, he's been clean for five years and he's still walking with the Lord. So, yep. He's got a beautiful family, right? Yep. Praise God. Uh, how about the, these guys? That's uh, t- my buddy Thomas and his wife, Taisha. And he was the first person that the Lord put in my life to work next to me when I came out of treatment, like the first couple months. And he was continuing to struggle with uh, addiction and we were able to convince him to go up and get treatment as well. So um, that was great. And I was best man in their wedding and we're, we're still good friends, so best awesome. friends, yeah. Awesome, working through the story. Uh, who's this? That's my buddy, Lewis, who's here. Lewis, come on up, man. And he was... Uh, Come on up, Lewis. Why don't you stand over here? You can stand with us. Yeah. Same, same uh, situation. He was uh, um, working next to me, and I was able to kind of share my story with him. And he was struggling with some addiction then too. And he was raised in the church, went to uh, Christian high school, and just fell away. I challenged him to come to real life. That was a couple of years ago, and he's still coming Praise and growing. God. And yeah. Praise God, brother. Stay right here. You're good. You're good. That's awesome. <clears throat> Who's this? That's my buddy, Stephen. Um, same situation. God put him in my life and working next to me. He had just gotten out of jail and he continued to struggle. One of the things about Stephen is no matter when he failed, he is always honest with me, never lied to me, which I appreciate very much. Um, but we were, my boss and I, Tim Mortimer, were able to convince him to go up and get treatment, go up to the program, and, and his wife, Rihanna, also went to the program, and they're married, and they have a one-year-old daughter who Katie, Katie gets to babysit during the week, so. But yeah, um, same situation, he went through the program, and he's doing well. Look how healthy he is. Look how great he looks. So... So, so your lives are impacting around you because your people, your people are investing in you and obviously uh, there's a challenge to stay on track. What, tell me about uh, how do you stay on track and, and who are these folks in this uh, next picture? The, Come on that down. is my home, home group leaders and 
Actually, they're Javen's godparents, so spiritual parents to Katie and I. Uh, Rick's like a spiritual father to me. Um, always encourages me to, uh, especially with, with, I was going through some hard stuff with my dad, and um, he was able to speak into that and help me, help me through some of those challenges, what I appreciate very much. So, yeah. That's awesome. So, November-ish, 2013, you get called, you call, she calls a paramedic because you're non-responsive. Correct. You're going to be gone, right? Yep. Thomas, tell us about this, uh, this next picture right here. That's me in Qumran, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in Israel. Yeah. I find it uh, not, not a coincidence. What do you call it? Providence? Providence, yeah. Well, Providence. Sure. The Donald is almost dead, like literally dead, and six years later, He's standing in front of where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, <laughs> studying God's word with Aaron and those folks, having his life totally changed, having, being used to help impact other people's lives, right, as we do this. And so the story is continually uh, unfolding. And I want to thank all of you guys for being brave enough to be part of his story and being willing to be part of his story. Uh, Donald, you are reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time by letting God use your story. And I am so grateful for that. I love you guys. Thank you all thank so you. very much. One person at a time, come on. Come on, one person at a time. That's what we're about. And it's letting God use you and mold you. If you're gonna serve communion, thank you very much for doing that. Head on back there and get that. Um, and we'll pass it out to everybody. We'll hold it uh, together and we'll take it as a family. Uh, if you're like, I just came for the first time, I don't know anything about God or anything, any of that stuff, and I don't know what communion is, you can let it go, go past, and we would be more than happy to talk to you about that afterwards, but we'll hold it and take it all together. And so as we're doing that, I want you guys to think about what I'm asking, the challenge that I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to learn and know your story, and it doesn't have to be this dramatic story. Some of you have stories of heartbreak with marriage stuff. Some of you have stories of heartbreak with gambling. or yuck. We all have a different story, right? We all have mistakes and things that we've made in the past, but are we defined by those mistakes or are we redeemed by those mistakes through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? We're being redeemers, right? And so our stories matter. And your story, your story matters to somebody else out there. They need it. You're not, you're not going through what you've gone through for nothing, and so I'm asking you, as a lead servant, I want you to know your story. I want you to, to, to know it, to practice it, to understand it. And when you're called upon to follow what Jesus says in his text, to be, to, be, to be able to give an answer for the hope that you have, and that hope would point toward Jesus. So as we think about this, and we're, we're passing out communion, how has someone else's story impacted you? How has someone else's story impacted you and changed the future of your life and changed the future of how you view people and changed the future of, of, of how you want to see your kids move forward in life? And you know what? Maybe you're like, oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm 50, 60 years old, and I'm just, I'm late to the party. You're not late to the party. You have wisdom beyond, beyond your years. Well, my kids, I didn't raise my kids as, as, as Christians. It's never too late. Do you think your kids could watch you at 50 or 60 and change your ways and be more impacted about how you've changed your life and be like, Dad, what's up with you now? You were a jerk when you were raising us. 
And now you're soft-hearted and you're kind and you love and, and you do things that, that, we, that I need to know, Dad, why are you this way? What is this hope that you have? Or your mom. I got to baptize my mom. My dad still doesn't know the Lord yet, but I'm working on it. But you have it in your family that he's watching the story unfold in my life. He's watching how, how things are going on. He's even been to church here before. Your story matters. You're telling a story, whether you're doing it verbally or not. But we should be called to give an answer. How has God shaped your story? You know that we are being in the process of being made. We say, it says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say I made you a fisher of men. He said I will be making you. Like your story isn't finished yet. If you're 70, your story's not done yet. If you're seven, your story is not done yet. He's molding and changing you. He's molding and changing you through his text. He's molding and changing with you with how we're worshiping him. He's molding and changing you by putting people in your life that are saying real stuff to you. And you hear it. How has God shaped your story? And how has God used your story? I look around and I see the eyes of people in here. I know God's used their story. I know there's people in this room that are connected because their story was shared and they were bold enough to do it. They were prepared and they cared about it enough to do it. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, in the time when he's coming to, uh, to talk to about communion and, and taking the wine, he's asking us to do what? He says, remember me. Isn't it interesting? The Bible is full of stories pointing to him like the demoniac. And his stories are still going on right now in this room. Your story is being written right now. And it's going to matter. It's going to matter. And so we think about this on that night that he was betrayed. He held up that bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Jesus says his story is for you and me. And that we are to do this. And when we do this, we are to remember him. Let's remember the story that he gave us. And in the same way, he took the cup. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. Remember his story. Let's remember his story. Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that um, we would seek you. We would be obedient in what you've called us to do as a church. We want to tell people about you. We want people to be introduced to you, Lord. They need you, Father. They need you. And some of the ways you do that is you, you ask us to be prepared. Lord, you have equipped us. You're writing our stories as hard as they may be. You've equipped us. Let us be bold enough to, to be prepared, to give an answer for the reason that we have hope. And that's because of you, Lord. You are the hope giver. I thank you, we love you, we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.